Hey guys, this is Field of Vapor. Hey folks, this is Pete Bissardo. guys, this is Ruby Roo, and you're listening to Smoke Free Radio. Another episode of Smoke Free Radio right here on the VP Live Network. Did you know that I wave my finger every time I say hello, my fellow vapors, even though this is just radio? <laughs> also, did you know that we have shows here five nights a week for your vaping listening pleasure starting Sunday, of course, with VP Live Radio with your host, Kevin, 9 p.m. Eastern. Raven Grimm on Mondays, 6 p.m. Eastern with Anti-Nanny. Tuesday, the one and only Russ with ClickBang Radio. Wednesday nights, you get to spend it here with me on Smoke Free Radio. And of course, Thursday night, the lovely, the talented, the beautiful Genie K with a Genie K show. All the podcasts, of course, available soundcloud.com slash VP Live. I'm starting to turn into Russ with, with these show cancellations. I do apologize. Last week, however, it was not my fault. Um... Delta was delayed on my way back from Williamsburg, Virginia, from actually I flew out of DCA. And uh, I got to Atlanta four minutes, four minutes to the gate after the gate had closed. So stuck in the Atlanta airport. And I did tweet Delta and my listeners, of course, to let you know that I would not be able to do the show, which was unfortunate because uh, the TMA Centennial Celebration uh, was uh, just ended, and I have a lot of information to bring you, and I'm going to bring it to you tonight, not so much as detailed as I had planned last week. Uh, also tonight on the show, we're going to be taking on a flaming topic lately, it appears to be, uh, with uh, with a lot of different viewpoints on marketing to children, and the fine distinction of primarily appealing to, it is some language that I've pulled from the CTP, and uh, in the last two, three conferences is one of the topics that's been brought up uh, 
probably the most relevant. Uh, also, uh, a new segment today uh, on the show. Uh, I'm going to try to take a little positive spin because a lot of people say I'm very, very grim. I'm very, very negative because <laughs> I always bitch and, and moan here on the radio show. So I'm starting a new segment. I'm going to call it Shout Outs. So I'm going to recognize stuff that I see in the vaping community, whether it's industry, whether it's personalities, whether it's a movement. Anything that concerns around vaping, I will give you a shout out. So I have a nice little list compiled for you today. 347-308-8329 is our telephone number. You can dial and press 1 if you want to participate with any questions, comments. During tonight's broadcast, and I anticipate to have quite a few phone calls, because this topic has been... It's been uh, it's been crazy. A lot of drama on Facebook, a lot of drama on Reddit, uh, a lot of drama on the forums with the different uh, opposing views. Um, but before we get there, let me lead into that by what happened at the TMA, the Tobacco Merchants Association, been around for a hundred years, a hundred years, and you know I have to to commend them. Uh, they have really switched their focus, especially the last two that I have attended to vapor product i mean this conference in its entirety except one segment that was wednesday morning that dealt with no heat no burn uh which i left i didn't i didn't stay it was 11 o'clock it was the last one so I, I didn't stick around for it but the entirety of this 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 um this conference for a merchants association has shift, shifted to vapor products which tells me a couple of things right obviously we know it. Vaping is wonderful. Vaping is the future. Uh, I hope I don't get an invoice for that. Um, we know how much vaping has benefited our, our lives, and we're spreading the word, and we're trying to get more people off combustible tobaccos. Maybe we're not the only ones that see that, right? <laughs> of course, all the tobacco companies are getting into the game now in one way or another. And uh, so it makes more sense to, to have these conferences shift and focus entirely uh, on the vapor industry, especially with the regulatory hurdles uh, that are upcoming, whether it is on a state-by-state, city-by-city, or on a federal level. Dealing with various issues, the TMA spent a lot of time with public policy and public health officials this go-around versus what it was last year. Obviously, keep in mind that the TMA, in, in most of these conferences, even this FADA conference and other conferences that I've attended this year, um, some of these conferences, we do have a little bit of, uh, you know, pimping out of some companies, especially some of the speakers that are representing the companies that come up there and, you know, make a presentation of what revolutionary or innovative design their company has, has come out with. And that's to be expected, right? Uh, but there were some great, great panels. Um, interestingly enough, the the conference was launched with Senator Mitch McConnell, uh, which had a lot of a lot of remarks on policy. You know, he bashed Obama a lot. Unfortunately, didn't really address any of the questions that pertain to the vaping industry. One was a little bit um, dodged when they asked them, what can, can, you know, the, what, what can Congress, what can we do from a political viewpoint to help the e-cig industry because it has the potential to, to benefit. And, and his answer was a little bit maybe misunderstood, but, uh, he said that, you know, from, from a political standpoint, you know, we really don't have any power. And I think what he tried to say is that they don't have any power to change the process as it goes now, which I believe that is partially true. 
partially true. But what it is, though, is the political process really will start when the deeming regulations are dropped. Keep that in mind, okay? That's when the fight really starts. Leading up to what the FDA is going to do, in my opinion, I have said it in the past. I said it two years ago. I said it a year ago. I said it six months ago right here on Smoke Free Radio. I think that the outcome of the deeming regulations has been predetermined. That is just my opinion. Um, so I think that once the deeming regulations are dropped, then we can really go on the offensive and try to use some political sway to at least manipulate the regulations. So thousands and thousands of small and pop stores and businesses and jobs um, are not shut down overnight. Because they possibly could. So that was the opening remarks. Then uh, then uh, it started off with, uh, with uh, how do the industry adapt? So combustibles versus non-combustibles. Uh, it was a great little presentation um, that was given by Dr. Jim Diffley. He is a, a PhD at Global Insight. Also, Dr. Uh, David Levy from Georgetown University. Um, there's a little discussion going on on, you know, the adaptability and the sustainability of combustibles versus non-combustibles. And I think everybody, it, and not only in that panel, but in, in the panels that ensued, I think everybody determined that in the near future, vapor products are going to overtake the combustible market, especially in the United States, where we have so much access to social media. We have so much access to the Internet. Uh, in other countries, not so much. Uh, simply because, you know, for example, China, you know, they don't have the accessibility to information as we do. Their, 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 their government does not allow that, right? But, but in a country as the U.S. where we have all these freedoms or, you know, we believe we have these freedoms, but we do have that accessibility to help people quit smoking. And don't, don't, don't ever forget that this, this industry, this industry was built on YouTube. This, this industry was built on the Internet, right? We didn't have brick and mortar stores five years ago. All the information and all the support happened on the Internet. So uh, I think they all came to the agreement that, you know, in the near future, would that be 10, 15 years that the vapor products will overcome uh, the combustible market? Now, yeah, yeah uh, I see a comment in the chat, 4 billion don't use the Internet. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, key here on the first day lunch was a guest speaker that came in from the Center for Tobacco uh, Products. He... Uh, is the head scientific officer, Dick, Dr. David Ashley. Now, I saw Mitch Zeller in Chicago a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to tell you that versus what Mitch Zeller said in Chicago and the presentation that David Ashley gave, I have to give 100 kudos to David Ashley. He was very, very descriptive. He was very, very analyzing, and he went through the entire process of how the FDA is making the determination on how to regulate this product. And guess what kept coming up? Kids. Kids. Marketing to kids. Let me drop some numbers on you. This was from his presentation. Um, on what the FDA, the PATH study that they're doing, uh, what are they spending? The U.S. Food and Drug Administration and the National Institutes of Health is awarding as much as $273 million 273 million over the next five years to 14 tobacco centers of regulatory science across the country. Those are University of Vermont, Yale University, University of Pennsylvania, University of Maryland, Virginia Commonwealth University, University of North Carolina, University of North Carolina School of Medicine. 
Penn State College of Medicine, the Ohio uh, State University, University of California at San Francisco, oops, <laughs> University of Southern California, oops, <laughs> Georgia State University, American Heart Association in Dallas, Texas, and the University of Texas Health and Sciences Center. What are they going to be dealing with on this research? Diversity of tobacco products, reducing addiction, reducing toxicity and carcinogenity, adverse health consequences, communications, economics and policies, and lastly, and most importantly, once again in his presentation, the marketing of tobacco products to youth. See, the problem here lies within the FDA under my estimate, as always, I speak as Dimitri on this, this radio program. This does not reflect VP Live Network or the rest of the host. But in my opinion, I think that the FDA has determined that e-cigs are less harmful. Because if you do science correctly, if you do science correctly, there is no doubt, it's undisputed, there is no way that any real scientist will deny that e-cigs are by magnitudes less harmful than traditional combustible tobacco. But here lies a problem. With what happened back in the 80s with the tobacco companies and what happened to a lot of the public health officials that were bought out, that were whatever, the biggest problem that these public health officials are trying to regulate this problem, part of this, this group of scientists, there's 14 scientists on this group in the Center of Tobacco Products, is the initiation of youth, marketing to kids and promoting a, prod a product that's going to start use, not just combat existing combustible tobacco smoking. That is a tough job. You know, it's, it's a job that I probably wouldn't want to have personally. I think that all these studies are going to be done on reducing addiction, reducing toxicity, reducing the carcinogens that people inhale with alternate nicotine delivery systems, economic and policies. I think we can defeat all those. I really do. I really do that we have the tools, we have the science, and we'll continue to do research in science that we can eliminate all these ironically enough when I gave my first presentation in China I created a little framework of what I believe is the top threats in the EU and the FDA right now in the US through the FDA and of course the EU through the TBD and I'm gonna start I, I had four listed on there which I believe are the, the four biggest threats that we have I'm gonna start from number four number four of course was efficacy of the product does it help people quit smoking I believe that we, in a six-month study of vape shops across the United States, I believe that we can definitely show, you know, I, I don't even have to be a scientist to tell you that. Obviously, they're going to require some data. But I can tell you there's not 15,000 shops in, in the United States if people are not buying this product, right? But I think that we easily solve that. It's something that the FDA brings up a lot. Oh, we don't have conclusive evidence that this product helps people quit smoking. But guess what? That is something we can, we can combat that. We can show that. 
We can get the vape shops involved. We can do some research. We can show that people quit combustible tobacco or even dual use. That is a form of reducing tobacco harm. Number three, material study. The metals, the plastics, the wires, the devices we're using. Just the other day, which I will give my comment on too, Dr. F mentioned the dry burn of the wire. I had known this about a year and a half ago. I'm not an expert on it. People ask me, what do you think about it? I said, I'm not an expert on it. My personal opinion, how do you anneal wire? You heat it, right? I mean, that's the process that they go through to anneal wire. So every time that you dry burn a wire, heat it and cool it, heat it and cool Obviously, the molecular structure changes. Is it bad? I don't know. Has there ever been a study to tell us? No, I don't know. But I do believe that through material studies, especially if I can continue to get the Chinese involved, the plastics, the wires, the wicked materials that we're using, the metals, We can disprove that theory. We can show to the Chinese manufacturers, hey, this plastic is the best plastic to use. This is what you need to use with your tanks. This wire is the best wire for them. They can, they can change their factory in two hours. I've seen it. Moving on to number two. Number two threat. If the product itself has the potential Why not have it into a modified risk category? If we can prove to the regulators that this product does not fit in the existing CTP category, which by the way, if you vape or you're involved in advocacy or have a shop and you don't understand that we're being regulated under the CTP, which is the Center for Tobacco Products as a tobacco product, you have issues. You have issues. How many times have I heard people, well, well we're not a tobacco product. Well, guess what? I know that, <laughs> but we're being regular. We're deemed a tobacco product by the FDA. Don't tell me that's unfair. I know it's unfair. <laughs> Don't tell me that's not right. I know it's not right. That's your debate with me. Number one on my list in China, six months ago, by the way, okay, six months ago, number one on my list, flavors, accessibility to children and marketing to kids. That's number one, in my opinion. Forget about the formaldehydes, forget about the temperatures, forget about the coils, forget about the studies, forget all that. We can disprove all that. Flavors, marketing to kids, and accessibility to kids. Those combined, to me, is the biggest hurdle that we face today with the FDA. As proven at the TMA, where every conversation brought it up. What is the CTP role in preventing youth tobacco use? Why was it created? Based on the Family Smoking Prevention and Tobacco Control Act, the CTP provides the FDA with the authority to regulate manufacturing, distribution, and marketing of tobacco products to protect public health. This is a slide from the FDA that I'm reading off. Bullet point number two. One of CTP's main goals is to prevent people, especially youth, from starting to use tobacco products. It keeps going on and on. Every slide, every person that I talk to, 
every public health official, every public policy maker brings it up. Keep this product out of the hands of children. Don't make your product desirable to children. Don't market your product to children. Continued after the lunch after David Ashley spoke, which I really enjoyed his presentation. And I generally don't enjoy anything that the FDA says. But it was very, very descriptive. It basically always weighed back to the same thing. They are willing to let people die that are smoking existing right now. They're willing to let them die to protect the children. You better believe it. You better believe it. I know it sounds grim, but it's the truth. One of my biggest enjoyments at the TMA was this great panel with both sides of the fence on relative risk. Dr. Michael Siegel, Dr. Stotesbury, David Sweener from Canada, Dr. Moynihan, Dr. Nayora, Dr. Levy, Dr. Erickson, Dr. Bucknakar from the University of Louisville, and of course, one of my idols, Clive Bates. And I'm going to tell you what, Clive Bates really took off the gloves at this meet. I've seen him in other meets where he brings up these questions that are really, really aggressive. He really outdid himself. He really put himself in a position to ask these questions. And of course, obviously, you know, they were, they were dodged. <laughs> they were dodged pretty good. But again, even these questions that Clive Bates brought up to the public health officials, they always came back with that same answer. And even Clive said, he says, are we willing, are we willing to let people die and not trade off with even, even some initiation that could possibly have been combustible tobacco cigarettes if it's not e-cigs? I think that is a great question. I think that is just a fantastic question. So let's say we have some youth that otherwise would probably would have started with a combustible tobacco cigarette and they're starting with an e-cig. That's got to be more but that's got to be better for public health, correct? So are we willing? Are we willing to allow these people die from combustible tobacco? Estimated 480,000 Americans. And that is a gross understatement, by the way. There was a presentation made by David Ab Abrams that said that we have not been counting that right. And they're estimating 570 to 600,000 people a year. So are we willing to let them die to protect that initiation, the youth initiation? And, of course, the answer from the public health officials is we have to weigh this as a population, as a whole, right? As a whole. I'm going to get into my views for the, in a little bit. We finish up here with the TMA. Another great presentation, e-vapor product standards. Once again, a lot of discussion on hardware, liquid. Lou Ritter from Ames and Spoke. Uh, also, the, a lot of conversation was brought on with some of the standards that already exist because over in Europe, there's at least three different countries and three different organizations that have provided some standards with e for e-cigs, and they have provided these standards for the regulators to use. And aside from what AIMSA has done here, nobody else, to my knowledge, has created any type of standard on the manufacturing of e-liquid. I might be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think I am. So a really nice discussion 
on regulatory standards, not only here in the United States, but what they have done abroad, some of the stuff that we can get, at least at least have a common ground on some of the basic stuff. Some of the labeling, some of the childproof caps, some of the titrations, some of the good manufacturing practices. Aside from names of nothing. There was some talk on excise taxation, relative product risk, illicit trade. Listen, to me, this product should not be taxed. It cannot be taxed as tobacco product. But we all know that's not going to be the case, right? There was some talk based on a relative risk of the product. And this is the way that the FDA has to go. They have to assess the risk, even if it's a short-term assess- assessment, and proceed with caution and make this product available. Don't take it off the market the way that we know it right now. On Tuesday, again, tobacco harm reduction, the public health benefits. Clive Bates led that as well uh, with a couple of other doctors. One was from the Institute, uh, from the Schroeder Institute, from Legacy, obviously, uh, and also uh, Bagnard. By the way, David Abrams spoke. And David Abrams, this is somebody, you know, sometimes as, as an advocate, you feel, you know, drained. You feel like they, they take the wind out of you because you don't see any progress. And that is not the case. I spoke with Jeff Steyer. And Jeff Steyer says a lot of people don't see the, but the progress that we have made. And prime example is David Abrams from the Legacy Foundation, which two years ago was bashing electronic cigarettes. Now he's calling them ANDS, Alternative Nicotine Delivery Systems. That was fantastic. And his presentation was great, was fantastic. And just like him, I believe that we have reached other people. We have changed that ideology. Now, there's going to be some people out there, like Stan Glance, that there's nothing that you can say. There's nothing that you can say to sway <laughs> their direction on electronic cigarettes. But there are people out there that we have touched, that we have reached out to, that we have educated. So we have to keep the the good work going, the advocacy work, the, the education. We have to keep it going. Dr. Michael Siegel, of course. David Graham from NJ was one of these panels. Dr. Jeff uh, Henningfield from Penny and Associates. All these were evidence-based risk discussions. Guess where? At a Tobacco Merchants Association conference to me. That is groundbreaking. It, it, was, it was fantastic. Obviously, I was there for work. I was there representing MOV. But the stuff that I saw at this versus what I saw last year was really enlightening for me, not only for the information that, I can, that I'm able to absorb and share with you guys or in my discussions with various people, but also I sat back and I took a look and I said, look where I'm at. This is an organization that has been around for 100 years, the Tobacco Merchants Association, and we're having a fantastic panel. Jeff Steyer, Siegel, Bates. Kozanski, I mean, it was it was amazing to be a part of, and it was amazing to be able to take that away. David Abrams did give a presentation. He talked about the FDA standards, and he talked about the harm minimization. But I'm going to read to you his conclusion, because this is what I believe is the most important part from this conference. Stakes are high. Lethality of combustible tobacco is worse than we thought. Alternative frameworks for addiction appeal harm are available. 
Speaking, of course, of electronic cigarettes. Taxes and policies should be proportional to harm of product class. I almost fell off my chair when I heard that. End game for combustibles. This is end game for combustibles. Future approaches and devices for nicotine delivery that better substitute replace for the cigarette are all lethal combustibles. Regulation can maximize benefits and minimize harms. Promotion of electronic cigarettes slash ands, as his new word, alternative nicotine delivery systems, much more likely to be beneficial in an environment where the appeal, accessibility, promotion, and use of cigarettes are being rapidly reduced. I'm shocked. I really am. And here's how he ends it. Once again, it all revolves to the same topic that we're going to be talking about today. Keep any and all nicotine and tobacco products, as well as your marketing, away from youth. That is not a requirement. That is an industry obligation. I think that was fantastic. If you think that the kid thing is not a problem... You're really kidding yourselves. You really are. I'm going to put a document here in the chat, and I'll have it in the replay notes as well, too. If you click this link, you do a word search for youth, the word appears a hundred times. A hundred times. I'll bring up some of the sentences that are included. This is in the compliance regulatory information on tobacco products. I'll pull up some notes from there. FDA is aware that some tobacco products such as e-cigarettes and certain cigars are being marketed with characterizing flavors and that these flavors can be especially attractive to youth. FDA also notes the increase in e-cigarette use by youth and the availability of fruit and candy flavored. In recent years, new tobacco products, sometimes referred to as novel tobacco products, have become an increased concern to public health due in part to their appeal to youth and young adults. Research has shown that youth are also particularly vulnerable to the appeal of novel tobacco products. What Mitch Zeller said. Do I have to play this? I mean, you guys have heard Mitch Zeller keep bringing up the National Youth Tobacco Survey is an annual survey of tobacco use amongst middle school and high school age kids. And FDA, along with the Centers for Disease Control, are the sponsors of the survey. The 2014 results from the National Youth Tobacco Survey are astounding and concerning. In one year, we've seen a tripling of e-cigarette use among middle school and high school age kids. This is an extraordinary jump and something that we are very concerned about from a public health perspective. Ugh, we're extremely concerned. Extremely concerned. There's good news and there's bad news with the release of the National Youth Tobacco Survey results. The good news is that cigarette use and cigar use by middle school and high school age kids continues to be down compared to where they were four, five, ten years ago. The bad news is that e-cigarette use and hookah use is rising and rising exponentially. So all the good news is, is being threatened by the bad news of this, this dramatic increase in the use of e-cigarettes and hookah. Electronic cigarettes contain and deliver nicotine. 
Here we go. Nicotine is very dangerous to the developing child and adolescent brain. Parents should take no comfort in the fact that their kids are using an e-cigarette rather than a, a burning cigarette because of the presence of nicotine. Any tobacco or nicotine-containing product being used by a child or an adolescent is bad for that person and bad for public health. So you don't believe me when I'm telling you that this is the biggest problem that we have? I mean, I could just look at Mizzell and tell you he's lying. <laughs> I mean, I can tell you that. Just by his eyes, just by his demeanor, you can tell that. But every one of them brings it up. You know why? Because it's the only thing, it's the only thing they can grasp on to turn this industry over to big tobacco. And if you don't believe for one moment that there's politicians out there that aggressively want this product to be turned over at a monopoly towards the big tobacco products, you're fooling yourselves. This is not about public health. It's about money. You think they don't have an influence over Mitch Zeller and the FDA? Absolutely they do. Their reasons might be different, but the way we perceive it is different as well. Big Pharma wants to control over the vape industry. It could be. It's definitely not us. The biggest problem that we're going to have is that we have politicians right now Right now, accusing the industry of marketing to kids simply because of labeling and marketing. I'm just going to remind you that this was last year on the Capitol Hill just to remind you how this segment opened. This is okay, Rockefeller, another douchebag, whatever. Listen to what he had to say. And I should warn you that emotionally I'm on edge. Emotionally he's on edge. On this whole subject. I'm on edge. A product whose popularity has recently been soaring, including and especially among young people. We will hear today, I assume, from the tobacco companies or whatever they call themselves, that they will be, they're just marketing to adults, which I'm going to find an amazing answer, and we will probe that. E-cigarettes are battery-operated products that vaporize a liquid containing something called nicotine. And we all remember that, don't we? Eight people with their hands raised, all the rest of it. Now, we know that a cigarette and an e-cigarette are, are somewhat uh, different. But nicotine is nicotine. Little kids are little kids. And um, they're looking for things. And they're looking for things which they get to see a lot of in advertising. Uh, one of the nice things is you can sort of mimic the act of smoking. It's cool. Kids are cool. These products are relatively new, and their long-term health effects are unknown at this point, which to me raises the question, why in heaven's name are you going ahead marketing these things and selling these things and putting them online when the, with the results of the health studies, which are being done seriously, are still out? Senator, the brilliant Senator Jay Rockefeller. I mean, if this does not look like a guy that has his pockets laced with money. <laughs> I don't know what does, right? So before I get into the segment, I, I, want you to, I want you to listen to me closely. I truly believe, I truly believe this. Vendors and manufacturers are not purposely targeting children. I truly believe that there's nobody out there that is truly going after 
their 13-year-old new customer. And we shouldn't be accusing e-cig manufacturers of doing that. We shouldn't be accusing manufacturers of targeting children. But what we should be accusing them is just plain stupid marketing. (laughs) Some of the labels that are out there, you have to admit, whether we want it or not, it's the perception. It is the perception of what your product is trying to reach. And it's not only the perception of the regulators. It is a perception of society that doesn't smoke and vape. When Senator Rockefeller raises a bottle over there that has a candy on it or something that is clearly, clearly looks like something a child would enjoy, even though an adult like me absolutely loves it, society, people that don't smoke and don't vape will look at him and say, well, oh yeah, yeah, I see that. It's all about the perception. A douchebag senator like that will stand up at an FDA deeming hearing at some point in the future. It's going to happen. He's going to raise one of these bottles and says the FDA has to be restrictive as possible. They're marketing to kids. It doesn't matter if you are or not. And I truly, once again, want to say I don't believe that anybody out there is specifically targeting kids. But these lawmakers are using this as a tool to justify limiting or eliminating, prohibiting, as Bill Godshaw called it, prohibition of the product. Guess to who? To adults. We're the ones that are going to suffer as adults. It really doesn't make any sense. I don't care which way you paint it, twist it around, call it Freedom Clouds, Call it the adult decision, whatever you want to say. You can spin it any way that you want to. Nobody's going to allow nicotine in a bottle to be labeled with cute kitty cartoon characters, period. I don't care who you are. And who's going to suffer? Us, the adults, that will not be able to enjoy these products. Everybody was going to get punished because there's nobody in the right mind that will allow this under the CTP product to be on the market. Let me take a call before I go too crazy. 914, you're on the air with Smoke Free Radio. What's up? 914. Hello? Guess they didn't want to turn. <laughs> Guess they didn't want to hear, didn't want to hear me. Um, if you want to speak, press one three four seven three zero eight eight three two nine, or you can tweet me at vaping greek hashtag smoke free radio. Yeah, JT, call in if you're ready. I just got your message. I'm sorry. So my question to you, as a juice maker, is what is the downside for your company to promote a product that does not use a cartoon character on the bottle? Is there a downside? I mean, if you have good juice. People will buy it, right? I talked to a vape shop owner the other day down in Florida that says, well, the customer tries the e-liquid in a tester first. They don't try it in a bottle. 
So if you have good juice, the customer will try it before he sees your problem. What is the problem? Really, what is the problem for you? Is there a downside to that? This has nothing to do with free speech. I saw I saw in a Facebook post the other day, this is freedom in America. Shut the fuck up. Oh, this is clearly a parent's issue. Shut the fuck up. It's the only tool that the lawmakers and the FDA have right now to shut down this industry. It's the top of my list. If you're a company and you think by using cartoon characters or other labels out there, I don't have to tell you, and you think that there's nothing wrong with it, and you're going to be just fine, your business is going to sustain, that's fantastic. But I'll tell you what, you deserve the coming regulations then. 863, what's up? You're on the air. <laughs> hey, JT, what's up? At least it's deep, so I know we're somewhere. D, JT, you're on the air. Hello? I don't know what's going on. I've lost all my phone lines. Are you there? Uh, JT, can you hear me? Oh, I think the problem is me. Ha! It's not them. Uh, we can't hear you. Uh, Hello? I know. I got you. I got you. I got you. Hello? I'll Hello? Fix that. I'll fix that yeah, right now. Can you hear me? All right. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Yeah, there we go. All right, that was my problem. My my bad. <laughs> Apparently, if you can't hear me, obviously you can't answer back. What's going on? So I got uh, it's JT and I got Mr. John Denver on a three-way call. So we're both here. Okay, and I got eight five nine. Who's eight five nine? This is John from Kentucky. Hello. Hey, John, stand by for me one second, okay? I'm gonna come yes, right back sir. to you. Yes, sir. All right. All right, JT, and you're on a three-way with John Denver. That does not sound very, very exciting. <laughs> What's up? I think it sounds That's awful. how we do it. <laughs> uh, by the way, I enjoy your work as an Elvis impersonator, John Denver. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on? We're we talking about marketing to kids, and I know you guys have been vocal lately about this, especially you, John Denver, which I, I certainly appreciate to see members of the community uh, you know, going public with stuff like this. I know it's a very sensitive subject. I know it pisses off a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people take it personally. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, you heard what I have to say. What are your thoughts on it? I'll start with you, JT. Go ahead, JT. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's simple. Perception is reality right now. Sure. If we continue to use imagery that has traditionally been used to market to children, what are they supposed to think? I know we know that they aren't marketing the children, sure. but that doesn't matter. We've got to clean up our act. Otherwise, it's going to be too late. One way or another, those labels are going to change. Either we do it or the government does it. I, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I, like I said earlier, I don't believe that anybody's doing this intentionally, right? It's a, it's a, I'm pushing the limits kind of no, thing. I mean, I'm doing it because I want to be different. I'm doing it because I want to market it to it. You know, there's, there's various reasons why people do it. I don't believe that they're marketing to kids. However, you cannot deny the fact that there are a lot of products out there on the market today, a lot of e-liquid, that when you look at the label, you just cringe. I mean, you really do. I'm a father. I'm not, you know, I'm very, I'm 
I'm not restrictive with my kids or anything like that. I've shown them my, my e-liquid. They know not to touch it just like they do anything else in the house. But that's not the point. I look at this label and I cringe from an advocacy standpoint because I know one day if I have to go to a Congress hearing or if I have to go in, in a lawsuit as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as you know somebody to speak, I know I can't defend it. And that is the truth. How can you, not, how can you deny that? Right. One one of the things I think, and it's been so awesome to see um, John Denver do, I got to be honest, years ago, we had a conversation and he was like, look, I know advocacy isn't for everybody, JT, but, and I can't remember how the conversation went, but ultimately he was kind of saying, but JT, you're going to need to step up at some point. And uh, so I've learned a lot from him. And he's been a lot more vocal lately. And I think, honestly, his words might carry a little more weight than mine mm-hmm. in certain ways, more than yours even, because he doesn't work in the industry. Um, he doesn't have a review channel or anything like that. He is legit a consumer, and he is showing that this needs to happen at the consumer level. If, if vendors aren't going to do it, consumers have to start stepping up and voicing this and say, look, I'm not going to buy it. Guys, I'm not going to buy this and put some pressure on the next level up. I agree, but the problem that you run in there, to JT, is that you have a lot of these vapors that simply don't understand the law. They don't understand because, you know, they've gone to these shops, they've miseducated them. You know, they pick up these things, they do hand checks with them, and they're like, oh, yeah, this is the greatest things in sliced bread, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then they start hyping up a right. product based on that appearance. And then it's so easy, you know, I mean, this this industry is so easy to, to market and hype products to it as well, too. You know it well, JT, that it, it, right. it, it deters the effort, not only from the advocates, it deters the movement. It deters the movement of people that are actually trying to do the right thing or you're trying to put a kind of... And then on top of all that... You know, when you say something in a post, I saw some guy in the in, in Memphis Vapors forums the other day in, in one of our Facebook groups made a post about it. Yeah. And uh, and he got, I mean, nearly just attacked, not only by, by vapors. I mean, having vapors attack you is one thing. It happens all the time. But seeing shop owners, shop owners attack a vapor in a public forum, what the hell are you thinking? You know, stay off Facebook yeah. for who crying out loud. Fuck, you know? Who the fuck do they think they are? I for, I mean, seriously. My language, I, you know. Um, and it upsets me when I see or hear about a situation like that. Why is our industry different? Why do vaping consumers feel lucky to spend their money with vendors? What kind of fucked up yeah. system is that? Yeah. <laughs> right? And, and that's an example of it. Um, you know, it could happen a bunch of different ways. Consumers, which I don't think it will, but consumers could stop purchasing the product. I think our best that is ultimately, you know, the people that are that are making the decisions on this labeling and the second kind of tier would be the shop owners. Encourage them to shoot an email with their next order and say, look, I, I ordered a little light this time. You know, it, would you think about doing different labels? If we can have pressure from all three of those fronts, hopefully we'll fucking get somewhere. I Yeah, it's got to be everybody. It can't be yeah. one one side of it. Can't do it all. You're right. It won't work. You know, it, it's got to be manufacturers, wholesale distributors, vendors, consumers, trade show organizers. Everybody needs to step up and say, "Hey, we cannot put this shit on display." 
I, know, I, we I, have a humongous image problem right now when it comes to vaping. We do. 80% of the population doesn't smoke, doesn't vape. Those are the ones we have to worry about. I think you're image. absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right, and that is the perception that I told you, that in, in a scheme where you have a politician like Rockefeller stand up and lift that bottle up, the person that doesn't smoke and doesn't vape, obviously, is going to side with them. They're not going to side with us because they don't get it. Yeah. They don't use the product. They've never had, you know, the, the, the problem of smoking like we did, and we found something that saved us, right? So their perception of it is obviously, yeah, oh, look at that. That industry, yeah, they're trying to market kids. They're doing what they did back in the tobacco, uh, you know, in the tobacco days of the, the 70s and the 80s where they're trying to market with kids. And it's exactly right. the same and, thing and that we're seeing back then. We're seeing it right now. Whether you want to admit it or not, that's a different story, right? You know, but you have to respect the fact that you you, you look at this. And look, by the way, let me ask you this, JT. Let me ask you this because I've I've discussed this in in great detail with a lot of friends that are e-liquid manufacturers. What is that line, right? Everybody asks me, you're like, what is the line? What do you determine that is not? Um, it's it's not uh, it's it's not uh, marketing to kids, or it is you know more adult oriented. What is that line? Uh, and, and and I try to say well, that there really isn't no clear cut, right? I mean, you know what your line of your product is, right. and then you have some companies that lean a little bit, you know, they're a little bit edgy, a little bit, you know. Just a little bit, but then you you look at products that are way fucking off the line, right? I mean, you can tell, you know, if you're gonna put yeah. a fucking uh, toucan on whatever that's called on a damn bottle, that's going too much, in my opinion, right? Right. There's a and I, over the past couple of weeks, I've formulated this thought. Okay, so you know we've got uh, Spencer's is a store in the mall. Are you familiar with that? Sell sure. novelty yes, items. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. <clears throat> okay. I think that there may be, whether I agree with it or not, there may be a time and a place for novelty vaping items. Mm -hmm. But we got to get in the industry. We've got to get settled first, right. right? Zippo lighters have all these edgy designs and different things are sold at Spencer's. Mm -hmm. But their industry was established, and then they introduced and were able to have a subset that's novelty and for joke, right? Maybe there's a time for that in the future, but it's definitely not now, you know? Maybe there right. is a place in the future for novelty items and odds shaped like toys and collector's items and things. It just it can't, it can't be right now. We, we've got to get them to understand what it is we're doing. I think that we have, just like I mentioned earlier, a lot of lawmakers that, number one, they don't believe in the ideology. They see it coming out of your mouth as vapor. They believe it's smoke. You, you're never going to be able to change those. And we also have those lawmakers that have those special interests that do want to turn over the industry to big tobacco only. Well, why? Because that's where all their funding comes from, right? So I do believe that we have that. Yeah. But in order for us to sway the general public, right, we need to sway the general public that e-cigarettes you know, really don't need severe regulations as they're making it appear to, that we can be self-regulated. I think the industry has to do it alone. Because if they, Absolutely. if, 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 we, if the e-liquid e manufacturers especially, there are some hardware out there that is questionable as well, but you don't see that as much as you see the bottles of e-liquid, right? There's no better way right. to, to, to get those, those, the general public, I'm talking about the people that don't smoke and don't vape, there's no way to win them over unless we can show that these companies are targeting smokers and they're not targeting kids. 
Absolutely. And see, ever since I started vaping a little over two years ago, you know, there's this saying that always goes around that says the e-cigarette industry regulates itself. We can regulate ourselves. Don't regulate us. We can handle it. But you know what's funny is the minute we try to do it, and I don't mean me as I'm a big tough guy, the minute consumers and, and people in the industry start to try to do that, then then we're, we're stepping on their rights and they should have cartoons. And you know what I'm saying? And, and we're wasting our time. It's one way or another. <laughs> Either we regulate ourselves or we don't. Well, uh, one of the th issues that was brought up in the t at the TMA is – what exactly? How's the e-cig going to look like five years from now, right? And 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 they took two they took two perspectives. They took a clinical perspective and they took a population perspective. And this is the same the same struggle that the FDA has right at this moment, right? So from a clinical perspective, smoking combusted cigarettes obviously is the greatest cause of death in the world. We've known that it's been documented for the past thirty years. Current tobacco control methods obviously have failed. They have failed. Kids are still smoking. NRT available methods are not working. Everything that tobacco control has tried to done is absolutely a fail. Properly regulated this program, this 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 product, the E6, have the potential of providing nicotine at a much lower level of harm. We know that. From a clinical perspective, it makes absolute sense. But here are the concerns. Once again, from a population perspective, guess what comes up on the top of the list? Increased youth initiation. Right? Right. Promote dual use, entice former smokers back to nicotine. I don't believe that. I've never seen somebody that used to smoke that quit for eight years and came back and said, oh, shit, I'm going to start e six. Now, I've never met one before. Have you? I talked to thousands of people. <clears throat> yeah, no. And, and I, I try to keep in mind and rein myself in and understand that, for the most part, I surround myself with dedicated vapors and, you know, kind of the best of the best. I learn and associate with people that I look up to. So I try to understand that, you know, entry level vaping products aren't working for everyone. I get it. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's hard to keep remembering outside of our little circle. Um, but this, the recurring theme keeps coming up and you're not doing it on purpose. You're reading excerpts from different, you know, meetings and, and uh, stuff you attend and it just keeps coming up. There's a reason for that. So if the people that support the freedom to do all of these crazy labels and stuff, why do they think it keeps coming up? And their answer is, well, the FDA is going to come after us for something no matter what. <laughs> so, so really, are you kidding? So you don't want to clean your house right. before you show it? Like, let, let's clean up the yard a little bit and let's let them be the assholes. That's a great you point. You know, if they're if, if they're inventing issues, then let it be invented. Whether we go down in a ball of flame or not, we did the right fucking thing. Let them be the assholes. I, I, I totally agree. I think that you're right on point on that. I've addressed, and I think I've shown you today on this show, and in, in the past Smoke Free Radio episodes, that it keeps being brought up over and over and over again. At the TMA, to me, was the most enlightening moment when I saw Ashley talk about it and always came back to it. But from the perspective that you're talking about, JT, as well, I have addressed all the issues that we're facing with FDA. It's not just this, but I believe that on the rest of the issues, we can provide evidence, we can provide data, and especially in a court of law, because there will be lawsuits filed no matter what the deeming regulations are, in a court of law, I believe that we can defeat some of the opposition 
counterattacks. We can defeat the cessation. We can defeat the materials. We can defeat a lot of things. We have the technology out there to to beat those things. But one thing that we can't beat, one thing that we can't beat is a little pony on a fucking bottle. We can't beat that. It's indefensible, period. I don't care who you are. There's nobody going to buy it. Nobody's going to believe that you're not marketing to kids, even though, like I said earlier, I don't believe that you are. Yeah. And I've got a, I've got another piece of, I don't know, you know how it is, Dimitri. We're laying in bed at 2 in the morning and things fall together. <laughs> I've understood that. Look, I love Star Wars, right? I love the series. I love the collectibles and lightsabers and everything like that. For instance, so yes, I might collect some Star Wars stuff. I'm not making a mod out of a, you know, Mr. Potato Head Star Wars edition. I understand that that's they're not toys and stuff, but that 60 year old, 70 year old politician sitting in the mayor's mansion or I don't know anywhere politicians sit he's looking down at it and he doesn't understand that this is a different generation that is an adult and could be a responsible adult and just is a fan of Star Wars right or my little phone I, I don't know that's kind of a weird one I know there's bronies out there but you know <laughs> they don't understand that we're fans and that whether it's a South Park type thing, they just don't get it. And they don't give a shit enough to research it and find it out. Yeah. So there's that gap. We, it, it's perfectly clear to all of us, but they don't know. And we have to look at it the way they're looking at it. I'm you looking, know, we're I'm, not them. We don't have their power. We've got to see how they're looking at it and address it like that. To me, I, I read this 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 letter that that John Denver wrote, and, and you know, I'm 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 just I'm just proud that a vapor stood up, right? I'm proud, and and I, I'm proud of Chris Nichols in Memphis the other day in the group, and I'm proud of these people that stand up, and understand. We've all been there, right? We've all bought the hype, especially as new vapors, right? We've been down that route, but now we're facing a different regulatory framework. Now we're dif- we're facing different fights, different battles. I'm reading this letter that you wrote, uh, JD. I just want to read a little bit from it because I think I think it's it's it touches on exactly the root of the cause here, right? What we're trying to say is the perception and not really the actual intent of the illegal manufacturers. In this time of such instability and extreme scrutiny, it is your responsibility to be ambassadors. It is your responsibility to make decisions that ensure the longevity of this industry. You are the ones that have the ability to shape the image that is perceived by the general public. You are the ones that should be holding your peers accountable for detrimental business practices. So let me stop right there, JD. You posted this in various social media, websites, Reddit. Uh, that was, you know, whatever. Reddit. You, you posted it in various, various, various <laughs> social media. What has your response been to this letter? Well, you know, Dimitri, it was actually a lot more positive than the vapors pledge I posted the week previous. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. Um, but, you know, I posted it on Reddit, like you said. It went five and a half hours without a single negative comment. I about, it about blew my mind. That's got to be a record. <laughs> I, have, I have never seen anything on Reddit go that maybe, long. Maybe the trolls were sleeping. <laughs> maybe you got um, a good time. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I, I'm at the point where I've had, you know, numerous people tell me that, 
you know, this is a waste of time. This isn't worth fighting. Um, they're just going to come after us on something else. You know, enough's enough. I mean, snack packs, mm-hmm. fruit roll-ups, yep. gushers. Angry I mean, birds. I understand. <laughs> I like all those things. Good. I like take... them all. Yeah, I, I love them. I, I love them, too. I like candy. <laughs> Obviously, you've seen you've no, seen me live. You've seen me in person, and you know that I love I love yeah. sugar and candy too. But listen, on what you said, I have a yeah. I have the perfect example of Fruit Loops, right? And this is this is a perception. I love Fruit Loops. I absolutely love it. I shouldn't eat it. I'm on a diet, but Fruit Loops is probably my favorite cereal. You have never, never in the history of Fruit Loops seen a television ad that markets to me. Never. Have you ever seen an ad that says, hey, 44-year-old fat Greek guy, come and eat on Fruit Loops? Never. It always <laughs> markets kids. So the perception of the the perception of that product is that it's a product that's marketed to kids. And that's exactly the same. Even though I eat Fruit Loops, I never have an ad that caters to me. Right? So that's the same perception that we're given with a product as well, too. When people look at that label, they're not going to say that this is for an adult simply because of the perception and that's a huge problem. Yeah, I mean, all these, Go ahead. Go ahead, JD. Yeah, all these products, all these products have that are in question um, have been traditionally marketed to children. They have, for us, right? Form, yeah, yeah, they have formed their uh, their marketing strategies to 100% entice children into buying their products. That is a fact. It's been studied over and over and over again. Why? Do people feel that it is necessary or acceptable to use the same marketing strategies on an adult product? It, I mean, it's and it's being encouraged throughout this community. At what point? Right. Let me pose you know, this not question. Just, not just by, okay. Go ahead. Let me pose this question. At what point did we forget that this is a tobacco harm reduction tool? At what point did we forget? That we need to attract smokers. At what point did we forget that we sell nicotine? We sell. At what point did the industry forget this? Where is the the responsibility and the ethics that goes along with that? Where, where did that? Where did we lose that, JT? I don't know, man. Somewhere. I don't know. Somewhere. And I, I, I get it to a certain degree. I understand the passion and the excitement, right? I understand people have started by vaping to get rid of a habit, and they have bettered their lives. They can provide for their families. They can provide for other people. Um, I get everything that this industry and community has become. I'm living it, right? I'm here. But... We just, we get too focused. I don't know. It, or too, we lose too much focus on what got us there. And the bottom line is what got us here is a hell of a fucking tagline to use, bro. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Tobacco harm reduction, getting yeah. away from smoking sure. is about the most solid fucking thing we can do. Sure. We can say, we can preach. Oh, absolutely. And if, if we can kind of just refocus on that from time to time as reviewers, as employees, as vapors, hopefully it can help, but it's going to take a big revival back to basics type movement. Um, 
because new vapors are coming in by the truckload every day. And when they meet that vapor that brings them into the industry and that vapor has lost their way, shit, they never had a chance. Yeah. The new guys never have a chance. You know, uh, let me address a couple of issues before I get to John Kentucky. I'm, and thank you for holding patiently, John. I'll get to you in just a second. Let me just address a couple of issues here, especially what I see with Tom Baker in the in the chat. He made a statement that says because adults buy the products with the goofy labels, just because a kid is drawn to something does not remove the fact that adults may also be. I agree with you partially. However, when it comes to this product regulated under the CTP, I completely agree. you're an idiot. You're an idiot when you say that. Absolutely, adults yeah. love it. We know that. That's not the issue here. The CTP clearly says it. Go read it. What does the product primarily appeal to? That is the definition of a clean-cut label versus a label that is marketing to kids. Whether it's marketing to kids, it's not. It is what the definition is of what it primarily appeals to. And you cannot tell me without any doubt... If you're going to put a little pony on a label, it primarily appeals to kids. So shut the fuck up. I'm sorry. That is a stupid argument to use. Adults like, absolutely adults like flavors too. But that has nothing to do with putting a label that is clearly primarily intended to market to kids. That is the definition that the FDA, that the CTP has given. You might not like it. I might not like it. But that is the law, my friend. Also, I want to address the modified risk product category because everybody's saying that this we're a modified risk product. We're not a tobacco product, which is absolutely true. Look at the hurdles that Snooze has gone through. Look what Snooze is going through to get approval with the FDA. They send it back because their label was not properly uh, written on there as a modified risk product. Their Snooze application, one of the you know one of the products that has saved thousands of lives, one of the best smokeless products on the market. It got rejected by the FDA because the label was not correct on there, on their definition of this is less hazardous than smoke. They're telling the truth on the label. This is not as hazardous as smoking. And the FDA denied them. Part of the modified risk product category, this is straight from the FDA. You can look it up. Go Google it. To become a uh, modified risk product category in, in, in order to apply, the manufacturers must demonstrate that the product as actually used will. A, significantly reduce the harm and the risk of tobacco-related disease to individual users. I think we can do that. I think as an industry we can gather around that and have the scientific data to prove it. But ha, here's part B. Benefit the health of the population as a whole, taking into account both users of tobacco products and persons who do not currently use tobacco products. So patterns of actual use behavior, uptake, continued use, and cessation. That is something that we can't get away with. Whether you like it or not, that is the law, and deal with it. Let me get to Jim. I'm, I'm all fired up. I'm all fired up. I see a lot of people <laughs> are on telephone lines. Press 1 if you want to participate. John, sorry to keep you waiting, buddy. Oh, no, you're fine. Uh, I've, I've been listening to the program right over the phone. So, um, well, yeah, I have a small vaping company. I remember. I remember and, uh, you've called in the past. I hope you're doing well, my friend. I'm doing okay. Uh, it's not anything I'm getting rich at, but uh, I'm making, you know, I make a little money and I enjoy yeah. it. And yeah. I'm slowly but surely building a customer base and I'm just watching it very closely. I'm one of these guys, you know, that, that's afraid to jump out there in the waves because I don't know about the regulations yet. So I'm just, you know, if I have to get out, I want to get out, with get, you know, without getting burned too badly. Yeah. So, you know, just kind of take it easy with this. But, uh, 
nevertheless, yeah, everything seems to be going fine. I really, you're talking about kids. You talk about a guy that's got to watch the kids. You set up a trucking table, a teenager goes by you, they think, oh, I know I can buy from him. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to watch that very sharply. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But anyway, uh, the labels that I have, you know, how do I tell a customer that, that I do have a, you know, sweet tart? Right. Uh, <laughs> E-juice. They, they have sure. to know what it is. I sure. can't just put a white label on it and say, here, sure, guess sure. what it is after you buy it. No, no, you don't have to put a white label. No, you don't have to do that. I don't think I don't think you have to do that. I think there's ways of you no, of marketing no. your product without having it. You have it in a tester for crying out loud, don't you, John? Uh, 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 have it in what? You have it in a tester in your store. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, okay, let, me, let me tell you this. So let me tell you this, John. Right, so your customer comes in, sits down, and he looks at this 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 juice that you've named, uh, you know, you've named it, you know, John's Epiphany, whatever you named it, I don't care, right? And they're like, oh, what is this? Right. Oh, it tastes just like sweet tarts, my friend. They pick it up and they vape it. Is that going to affect your sale if it doesn't say sweet tarts on the bottle? No. Well, th- there you go. There's ways of doing this without having to aggressively have labels that are clearly, by the definition of the law, primarily appealing to children. Again, that is the definition that they're giving us, right? Ah, okay. So there's ways so, for you to do I'll that, absolutely. That yes, yes. Don't okay. you don't have to put on there the sweet tarts picture or the the, the the lately I'm seeing on Instagram a lot of kids candy behind the e-liquid. Like they actually put a bottle of the e-liquid and then they put the kids candy behind it. It's, I'm calling it kids candy because again, it's candy that's primarily marketed to kids, right? So stop right. doing that. Just stop. Stop. Just 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 stop. Well, that's. Yeah, I mean, no, I don't do that. That's a copyright infringement, anyway. You, you know, you can't take a sweet tarts label yeah. and put it on there without. Uh, you don't want to let them know that. That's so, something that the FTC with. That. That's what something that the FTC deal will deal with, and it won't be. It won't be the FDA for sure. I'm sure they're going to be getting some letters yeah. in the mail, but. Again, to go back to the, your original question, how do you market? You can market your product being responsible, and there's a lot of companies out there that do it. You can look into the market because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to say this for the entire industry. This is not the entire industry doing it. I think even so, it's no, a smaller. I think it's a smaller portion of the distribution of e-liquid. However, it is the loudest because they use a lot of the social media to market their products. They entice their 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 consumers to to do handshakes. They entice their consumers to gather and hype their products. And, you know, it's it's probably the loudest, once again, like the sub market, which I believe is the, is a small smaller portion of the vaping, but they're the loudest because they're the ones that you see the most right. on social media. And I believe the same thing is happening with these e-liquids that, and, and these labels that are, that are really detrimental to the industry, in my opinion. Well, look, uh, okay, so, so, so I put something on social media, and we call it uh, John's Wonder. And you don't know me from Adam. What in the heck is John's Wonder? Whereas we do put the Sweet Tart label on there. Oh, Sweet Tart. Yeah, give me 10 of them. Yeah, and, right. You know, well, John's Wonder is going to have to have some flavor description, obviously, right? You're going to have to have a flavor right. description. So, you know, that's a little bit artistic. That's a little bit of, uh, you know, you have to have a little bit of uh, talent there, I guess. Am I right, JT? In the descriptions, I mean, when you look at uh, you, you work for Enjoy. Yeah. When you look, uh, when you look at a bottle of Enjoy Liquid, it's called uh, what's the one that uh, that Randy from Poet made. Um, Dragonscape. Yeah. Dragonscape. Okay, so Dragonscape. You don't know what Dragonscape is when you hear it. Right. But you read the description of the e-liquid, and you're like, oh, that that sounds good. I'm going to give it a shot. Okay, so, gotcha. You know, so, I mean, well, let me ask you some advice. I, I've got my company logo on all my labels. They all look identical. Then in little white letters, 
it tells you. Like I've got cherry and I've mm-hmm. got watermelon mm-hmm. and then I've got sweetheart and what the Do you recommend that or should I just totally Sure. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. That's okay then. Okay. Yeah, I think right. I think it's unless it's something like cotton candy. That's something that they keep bringing up all the time. You know, so, some of the stuff that is that is uh what's the word I'm looking for here? Not cliché, but it's something that that triggers that Oh, why? Why were they selling cotton candy it's to adults, right? You're saying something that's kind of branded. Right. When I say cotton candy, I think of a kid holding it at a circus. You know what I'm saying? It just brings up certain images. Yes. Is yes. that kind of what you're thinking? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's exactly what I'm saying. It's All something right. that triggers and says something that's very, very blunt. Something that's very, very obvious. Buzzwords. There you go. That's perfect. What bonsai there just put go. in there. That stuff out there that is is is. You have to be very, very careful with it because, again, I'm not saying this, you know, John, you you have a small shop and you're doing some business. I'm, I'm saying this as, a, as, a, as an industry as a whole. Everybody has to be responsible from the people that are producing this stuff, the people that are marketing and the people that are buying it. Everybody has to have some responsibility and some obligation. And I think it's I think it's great that that you took the time to call in. And honestly, this is what it's going to take. I don't have all the answers. Dimitri doesn't. J.D., damn sure that I'm just saying, none of us do. But this is what it takes, dialogue and advice and, you know, just hashing things out with each other to find a better way to do things or to see if we're doing things the right way. And so I I think it's awesome you called in um, to a touchy topic. I yeah, think that's cool, man. Yeah, it is. It is. Thank you. Thanks a lot, John. Thanks a lot for calling in. As always, I wish you the best in, in, in your business, man. Keep going. Oh, yeah. We're doing well. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Another thing that I want to bring up from a business standpoint, guys, since I have you here on the phone, let's discuss this briefly. You know, from a business standpoint, doesn't it make more sense for 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 you as a business to go after smokers? Because I feel like a lot of the industry has shifted their focus from away yeah. from smokers, and they're competing now for this existing vapor user database. <clears throat> Like, if I was a businessman, I, if I own my own e-liquid company or my own shops, my number one customer to try to attract would be the smoker because I know as a smoker, when I quit smoking, I'll become loyal to that company. I'm going to bring my friends. I'm going to bring my family. I'm going to bring my mom, my cousin, everybody that smokes. I'm going to bring them there instead of going after exactly a user right. database that is not loyal at all. I could kiss you right now, Dimitri. No, um, no, don't do that. Phil's going to get jealous. That's not what you'll say when I I come to Georgia. Hey, listen, Um, when we are by ourselves in a room, it's a different story, right? Yeah, we're overfishing this little pool instead of hitting open water. And first of all, the people, like you said, will really appreciate us that latch on. A vapor, I'm going to go ahead and say it, like myself. I'm a tough customer. I know what I like. I'm very picky. I know... At this point, distributors and modders, I know where to get the best deal. I'm not the smartest customer to go after, you know? Uh, And I'm not saying rip people off, but a new vapor has a whole journey ahead of them. And and you're going to be able to develop a relationship and a rapport and be with them through the cycle of Sigalikes, possibly to egos, to tanks. And that's a beautiful thing. And that's our biggest pool of potential customers. I mean, Absolutely. billions yeah. of people. Yeah, JT and I talk about this quite often, and yep. I think it's been lost a lot in this community. Um, you know, we're not 
doing, I'm not, I don't do any of this stuff, say like, any of these things that I say for myself. I can care less. I'll continue to vape till the day I die. I'll find a way no matter what the regulations are. Right. But there's 40 million other Americans who are smoking right now who yeah. are basically have a life sentence, a death sentence on their hands that we have the potential to fuck it up for them. Exactly. Um, you know, and I, I think marketing to us people that are already found vaping and, and are, are using it to better our lives. Um, it's good, but all these vendors are missing the boat, you know, yeah. a 40 million customer base over, um, I don't know what the most recent numbers are. I'm going to say a million. I'll put a million and a half million. dedicated users across the United States. A Okay. Well, and we're just so, taught mean, to be very picky too. We're, you know, the, uh, uh, a dedicated paper, unfortunately, and that's a whole other topic. We are, um, we're very finicky. You know, you can't keep track of what we have because the next version's out next week. The new flavor's out the next week. Right. Um, so it just makes a lot. We're more not loyal. Sense. For stability's sake. Vapors to, are not loyal because care. we like variety. We always try something new. You're not going to have a customer that's going to be constant like the smoker. The smoker's guaranteed to be oh. with you five, six months because they're so fucking happy that they quit smoking. I know I would be, and there I see it go. all the time. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I mean, like, yeah. I, I, I literally would, you know, would, would see people that crying because they've tried to quit smoking for 20 years, and all of a sudden here they're going to a vape shop, which, by the way, <laughs> let me tell you something. As a vape shop, that should be your number one focus is how to reach out there and educate the public and draw them into your store to help them quit, right? We're losing that battle as well, too. I have the statistics from the TMA. Up to 65% believe now that e are just as harmful as traditional tobacco. 65%. We're fucked. You know, we've got to change this perception. you got to reach out to smokers and educate them about the product because if the smoker believes that e are just as harmful as tobacco cigarettes, they're not going to come into your shop. Period. You're going to yep. lose business. I'm sorry. Continue, JT. <clears throat> no, that, that's it. It just, like you said, we, we like so much variety. And then, but everybody think back and you know, everybody's story is a little bit different. But when I first started vaping, man, I know every paycheck I got at the time. <laughs> I, I had a certain vape budget and I was thrilled to buy the new tank or sure. to upgrade quote unquote to different things. That is a beautiful process for a business owner. Let's face it. We've got to be a viable business to help in this industry. Um, but if I would have had one specific shop or even two or three in my town at the time, they would have benefited greatly. And I could have been possibly I could have learned better consumer habits, right? I could have learned that, look, there's going to be a new version out, so maybe wait a couple days. I wouldn't have gone as crazy, wasted as much money. I could have made better purchases, and maybe I wouldn't be so finicky today. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Maybe I would be. I, 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 highly I, doubtful. I, I, yeah, highly doubtful. I, I agree with that, too. Not, not to be a dead horse here. I think we've covered the topic, and I think that a lot of people like you, uh, John Denver, and like you, JT, and a lot of vapors within the community feel the same as we do. It appears to me, just for the final topic here on the subject, it appears to me that a lot of them are hesitant to, to say something public. 
they're hesitant to say that. Yeah. Oh, what is the vendor going to yeah, think? Oh, I might lose my free me. bottle. I might lose my freebie. You know, what is yeah, this What is this care. fear? What is this fear that vapors have not to express their feelings publicly? You know, I do it every week and I get bashed for it, but I don't care. But, uh, you know, I'm trying I'm trying right. to get a point across here because I'm talking facts. I'm talking facts that I that that, that I can back up. But what is it, what is it? What is that fear you believe, JT? I think JT? a part of it. I think one of the parts of it goes back to, to what we mentioned before. How has some of this industry got it beat into consumers' heads that they are lucky to be able to spend their money with, with said company? A lot of vapors, they truly, they, they thank you up and down while they're shelling out money for your product. It goes beyond appreciating good service. They literally feel lucky that you're taking their money from them every week. And so they develop this, I don't know, I I guess fan, fanboy. Fanboy syndrome? uh, I don't know. That could be. That's it, man. And they they don't want to rock the boat. They want to be popular, whether it's followers or subscribers or friends or, like you said, that free bottle in every order or that quote unquote sponsorship yeah. for whatever free product. <laughs> they don't want to rock the boat. It's you know? syndrome. They want to stay trendy. Exactly. They're, they're, they're supporting stuff that most people, when they really stop, you know, they've got to understand why it's a negative issue and at least why other people are looking at it as a negative issue. And I still think there's some people that just don't get it. And so they really could benefit from a one-on-one talk or being open to listen to dialogue like this and understand why it might be bad. Oh, I've never heard of it. I've never even thought about it that way. I think there's a lot of people that are still there and that could and will open their eyes eventually. I I truly believe, by the way, go, go ahead, go ahead, JD, go ahead, finish up. Oh, I, I, you know, and I don't think it's just the the average vapor that's afraid to speak their mind. I think it's also the vendors. I think there's some people that are yeah. in the advocacy realm who are also not voicing their opinions um, because maybe people in their same organization don't have the same ideals and thinking that, you know, that they don't want that to happen type of a thing. Or their um, friend has but, a company that's doing questionable things too. That's you know we're yeah, a close knit industry. And the second that people stop listening to other people's ideas is the second that any type of advancement stops. Not every single person, not one person, has the answers to every single question. And right. until we can come together and listen to each other and try to figure out new ways of doing things and things that will help in the long run. We're, Nothing's going to change. We're fighting amongst us. That's our biggest problem. We're so divided. This community from the advocacy all the way down to the vapors is like two uh, different and camps. That's our biggest problem. It's part of my shout outs, by the way. So I don't want to give anything away. By the, the way, did you know, did you know, JT, I just got sponsored by the little blue screwdriver. I just want to put that out there. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, shit, oh, yeah. Shit, son. <laughs> That's how know, I roll, baby. That's how I roll. Your, 
Tell me when you post your first screwdriver edit. Yeah, yeah. I promised at least five Instagram a month. It's part of my deal. So I'm gonna have my, you know, I'm gonna try to, get, I'm trying to get some flatheads, some, you know, different. I'm trying to, try to have a little variety in it. Yeah, so it's, it's, that's so like behind the back action. That's crazy, bro. Hold on, let me pull this call in. I know who it is. It's probably gonna get my blood pressure up. Four eight, you're on the air with Smoke Free Radio. Hey, uh, Dimitri, what's your path to victory? Because all I hear is that you're saying uh, uh, we're fucked, we're fucked, we're fucked. And, yeah. Yeah. I've, got, I've got a plan, buddy. I've got a plan. Don't worry. No, I don't think you do. I've I got a plan. plan is screwed up because you don't – I don't think you do because all you're saying is that we're screwed. You think that the deal has been cut with the FDA. Yeah, I do believe it's that. all over. I and do then, believe and that. And somehow you think – I do believe that deeming regulations are predetermined. Absolutely, I do. You'd be stupid not to believe that. How can you not believe it when the FDA has been on the table with the big tobacco for the last three years and we have given nothing to the we have provided nothing to the FDA? We've seen the deeming regulations and now we're waiting for the final version. What do you think the final version is going to be different? What kind of world are you living in? That much different. But but do you think that you're going to be able to have self-regulation? You're going to be able to get all these bottles off? You know, every they're they're all over the place. No, I'm not. I I don't believe. I don't believe. Then why are you wasting your time? I'm not wasting my time because I care about this industry, and if vendors don't want to make a change, they want to get on board, and they want to help this industry, and they want to sustain, I'm giving them the information. That's why I do this fucking radio show every week, for people that want to listen to me. Yeah, but you don't have a path to victory. How can I not have a path to victory when I'm telling you not to put a fucking parrot on your bottle? How can I not have a path? I'm telling you what the... the you're I'm not t- going to be able to get everybody to do that. I'm not, I'm, I know, not, I'm not I know I'm not. I know I'm. I know I'm not going to have everybody do that. But there are people out there that do care, Tom, that want to make a change. So your plan doesn't work. It's not going to work. Every you're wrong. Day, but there's going to be some bottle that's going to be able to pick up by rock of feather, and he'll say, "There it is." Not if you show so that the majority of the industry. Not if you show if the majority of the industry is responsible manufacturing. Yes, you can go out there and you say you can be on the offensive. Which is part of my plan is to be on the offensive and go to the FDA and say, I'm offended. Here's 40, 50 companies were offended that you're even accusing us of marketing to kids. You think that's not a, that's not a plan to work? Go on the offensive against the FDA? Yeah, I, I don't think that's, that's going to work, no. Because you've got well, vape shops that are, even though it's got not vape shops work, selling. Why shouldn't you, you pursue the goal? I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Why shouldn't you pursue a quote-unquote righteous path, even though you know know, it's probably going to come crumbling down, why just roll over and take it and and let stuff just go all to hell? Of course you want to stay proactive and get as many people on the right track as possible. I mean, that just makes sense no matter what your official stance is, right? I'm not buying it, Tom. I'm not buying it, Tom. I'm not buying it. It's just clearly just a, just an argument for you to make against something that you believe that there is no pathway to. Absolutely, there's pathway. The, the pathway. the pathway is written already in the CTP. And if you and all the other manufacturers that can't read it or even the vapors can't read English, I can't help you. I can guide you. I can tell you what's in the CTP as far as a tobacco product being on the market, but yet you don't listen. Yeah, you're, you're guiding people to a path that is fucked. Do you think that vape shops really are marketing to kids? Do you think no. that? No, absolutely not. Well, yeah, for, for the most part, no. Yeah, so they're blasting vape shops for these labels, and adults are buying this stuff. 
So the labels, I mean, it's just, you're not going to be able to get full compliance by the entire gigantic industry to this. So if you say that this is all we need to do is to remove no. cartoons how, or whatever, how can I it's possibly, not going to work. How can you possibly say that? You've listened to me for over three years, I'm hoping. How can you possibly say that this is the only thing? This is tonight's topic. What the hell are you talking about, Tom? I'm, Haven't I brought every subject to the table? What are you talking about? Makes no sense at all. You're just picking on this one okay. topic tonight? Have you listened to all my shows? I've listened to most of your shows, so, and you keep on saying we're fucked, we're fucked. Well, I mean, we, uh, that we are. I can't, I'm, I'm sorry, we are. We are. <laughs> I mean... You say, you say repetitively that you think that the vapor industry is going to go down to just a few players, just one or two or three. If it continues to go the way that it's going right now, and the deeming regulations exist as they are written in the, in the, the ones that were dropped, absolutely. Yeah. Marketing's controlled not by the First Amendment, too. So you, you, oh, here we, go. here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So, could Tom in the rough? You're, you're completely out of line, Tom. This makes absolutely no sense based on the guidelines of the CTP for a tobacco product being on the market. Absolutely not. You don't fall I'm under no amendment. Too. But self-regulation is not going to take it. I know it's not going to take it. The only time. So, so what's the plan to work? You I just that, you're just gonna have to tune. Figured it out now. Yeah. As far as I know, this is what we're doing. We have shows and we have personalities and advice, and we get together and we talk and we try to work towards a better day. But I, I don't know you, and I don't know if you guys have history or whatever. No, he loves me really deep down inside. Probably carried over, but I feel like we have to keep pushing forward. So, it, are you against us talking? Um, about the current climate and how to do better? No, but I don't think that you will So your answer, get... Dimitri, doesn't have the one answer? I don't think that you will ever have all of the e-liquid makers changing oh, their ways. Nobody said that. How can, it, how can it, totally did anybody right, say that? You win. You win if that's if that's <laughs> you, what you have to say. Yeah, I, I mean, really, did anybody say so that? How, what, Should what we not try? What are you taking to the battle with the to the FDA then? What do you? How are you? are just going to have to tune in next week and see, Tom. That's all I can say. Alrighty. That's all I can say. Just tune in next week, and then next week come back and call me again and tell me how we're going. But by June second, you'll see yeah, what I, I, you'll I, see. Okay. I hear you saying we're fucked all the time. Yeah, you like it I though. Think, you, know, you like it. Tell me, Tommy. Honestly, Tom, you like it when I say it. Go ahead, uh, admit it. Admit no, it. I, Fucked up. I, I think it's fucked up. I think you're defeatist. I think you're being more you're and more wrong. defeatist all the time. You're wrong. Or maybe he's trying to wake people up. You're wrong, Tom. Maybe he's trying to wake people a up. A defeatist does not take a time away from his family for two hours every Wednesday night to come on here and talk. Voluntarily. That's not what a defeatist does. If you believe that, more power to you. Have a wonderful night. All right. So, gentlemen, I've kept you long enough. Thank you so much for joining me here on Smoke Free Radio. <laughs> I certainly Thank appreciate you, your time. And uh, both of you keep up the good work. I do believe that we're making a change. I do believe that our voices and more and more vapors that get behind this movement, more and more people that get behind it, I, I really think do. we're going to make a change. I really believe that. So all it takes is community awareness. And if you see that one particular product that you know, you just look at it and you're like, oh, say something about it. Don't be shy. And, and you guys have done that, so I'm proud of you. Thank you, Demi. I'll see you soon, brother. All right. Have a wonderful evening. There Everybody, we go. talk to you later. All right, uh, and and you know to to end this this subject with uh, with uh, the marketing to kids, 
You know, I mean, labeling to me in a way that primarily appeals to kids, again, I keep putting that in quotation because that is the, the title of the episode, does not increase sales. I don't believe that. I don't think it's going to make your e-liquid taste any better. But it does raise the thoughts in various non-vapors in society as to why a cartoon character is being used if your company, as I believe, is not trying to target kids. It doesn't really matter what the intent is, right? It doesn't matter what the intent. It doesn't matter if it's right or if it's wrong. It doesn't matter if it does market or appeal to kids or not. That is not the point. What matters is that we're going to have those people, whether it's an FDA public policy health official, whether it's some idiot senator, that is going to stand up and is going to say, hey, we need our regulations to be as restrictive as possible and eliminate this product from the market. And you know what? Most of those people in the society... They're going to agree with him. And you know what you're going to end up doing? It's taking my my favorite e-liquid as an adult off the market. So think about that. Now, it's time for a new segment I want to call Shoutouts. See, I even had a, I even had a bumper for it. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that pretty cool? All right, my shout-outs for the week. I am going to start with Mr. Sherwin Mena from North Carolina. This guy, I got to meet him in Chicago at this FADA conference. Not only did he launch a North Carolina chapter as FADA with a hired lobbyist and was extremely effective in, in, in legislation this year, defeating a 12.8% tax that was proposed, He's also formed an association dedicated to promoting tobacco harm reduction in North Carolina. Reaching out, educating public officials, health officials. Sherwin Mena, shout out to you, my friend. Keep up the good work. Yeah! That was Russ. (laughs) That was Russ helping me give up the shout out. Uh, Next shout out. Rollygate. I'm going to give a shout out to Rollygate. Because she's the first person that called that. Have you seen that picture that's floating around the internet with a guy with his busted lip? And people are saying, oh, this is a mod that exploded. This is a picture from 2012. This guy shot a blank shell into his mouth. Uh, apparently, he's just uh, he's just dumb. <laughs> or trying to have a jackass stunt. And, uh, and they're using this picture reportedly that it blew up a mod in his face. The picture's from 2012. To me, to me, congratulations, Rollygate, and shout out to you for being the first person to call it. Stop sharing that stupid story. You're just giving it more publicity. Stop. As vapors, stop it. Yeah! Thank you, Russ. <laughs> I'm loving these these uh, these uh, sound effects. Shout out. Next shout out. To Kanger. Kanger Tech. Shout out to Kanger. For putting a 1.5 ohm resistance coil in a freaking tank in 2015 when everybody else is putting out sub-ohm tanks. Hey, did we forget about the smokers? Shout out to Kanger. I mean, is it a K-Fun experience? I've only had it for three or four days. No. Is it? Does it replace that K-Fun? No. But let me tell you something. Kudos to them 
for going that route when every other company that has contacted me for a review the last three months is offering me a sub-tank? Mouth-to-lung vapors. They're even promoting that coil as a mouth-to-lung vapor. 1.5 ohm. Remember when that used to be low resistance back, you know, four years ago? Shout out to Kanger. Yeah! <laughs> Shout out to NBC11 out of Atlanta. Did you see the story where they posted how the lobbyists and the politicians meet in a wonderful hotel resort to discuss policy and get money? A corporate bill mill. I mean, they're cranking out legislation put into the hands of legislators who go back and file it. Georgia Senator Nan Oreck would know she was once an ALEC member. What happens in these back rooms? There are votes taken that have the corporate folks at the same table voting with the legislators huh. on what bills to pick. And that, that at its core just screams out uh, inappropriate. You're telling me that in these rooms a corporation has an equal vote with a legislator on a piece of legislation. They absolutely vote, and the truth be told, they write the bills. They write the bills. That's how bill is being made in this country, folks. Kudos to Channel 11 out of Atlanta for running that story. Absolutely. You're going to get a shout-out. Yeah! <laughs> uh, I've got a couple more. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Sean Gore uh, from the Oval Group in Oklahoma. Uh, obviously had a lot to do with Tom Cole's presentation of HR 2058. And if you have not, you have not contacted your representative to support this bill, please do. It's not going to save vaping, but it's going to buy some time, and we desperately need that time. Sean Gore has done an amazing job quietly, never getting involved in drama, doing the best for the industry, for the shops, for the manufacturers, and, of course, the vapors in the state of Oklahoma. To you, my friend, Sean Gore, you get a shout-out. Yeah! It's not all that doom and gloom. I have some good stories to play. David Gorlitz appearing on the Vapor Advocacy Show on Vapors TV. This is on the GH Vapes YouTube. I couldn't catch it live, but I did watch the replay. Talking how the big tobacco companies came together and what is happening today in advocacy. Your, your whole decision in advocacy is so crucially important right now, but I see what's happened in the last three years that really, really ticks me off. And that's what I told you a couple weeks ago. Yeah. You know, when I worked for R.J. Reynolds, they stuck together. You know, yeah. R.J. Reynolds and Philip Morris and Laura Lard, American Tobacco, they all were in it together to make mm -hmm. money. They knew that the market was so big that they all could have a share. Well, then I saw the tobacco control people through the Tobacco uh, Institute with Walker Merriman and all the people down there who were starting to be corrupt and find ways to now throw the smokers under the bus and use them as their scapegoat to where they would be financially set for the rest of their lives, which we saw happen. And I became a part of that, and I was appalled by the fact that they told me that I had to keep perpetuating all of this junk science and all of this cherry-picked data and research that they were making up as they went along. They didn't have all the data that they said they did, and I don't care who said they had it, including the Surgeon General. I met with Surgeon General uh, Coop. I had been involved with all of the medical people in National Cancer Institute and Cancer Lung and Heart. They know me, they trusted me, and I trusted them up until I couldn't take it anymore when their lies became so corrupt and so apparent that they had no desire to help under the guise of public health the smoker or the tobacco user. Now Big tobacco coming together. 
Big Tobacco coming together for their interests. Opposition? American Lung Association, American Cancer Association? They're all coming together. What are we doing? We're arguing. We've divided our, our, our community into camps, even advocacy groups. David Gorlitz, once again, you are right. And for that, my friend, you get a shout out. Yeah! Absolutely. Man, I love this. Um, shout out to all the vape shops out there that take that responsible stance on marketing to kids. To the vape shops that do get those samples in the mail and they look at them and they're like, you know what? I will not put this on my shelf. I know there's a lot of you out there. And for that, my friends, you definitely get a shout out. Yeah! Last but not least. Let's talk to the friends in Canada for a second. Because you do have a politician there. Randy Hillier, he is a politician with the Progressive Conservative Party of Ontario standing up in Parliament asking not to vote on Bill 45 that basically treats electronic cigarettes the same as combustible tobacco. Listen to this. Speaker to the Premier. Premier, my family's story is no different than thousands of other families here in Ontario. We are a family of smokers. It has been generational. My parents smoked. My brothers and sisters smoked. My children smoke. This addiction is not just generational, it's also cultural. And like most smokers, we've tried gums and patches, and they seldom work. But since I've started using a vaporizer, I've cut back significantly. So has my family. It's meant that we can spend more time with our grandsons. It's meant that for the first time in generations, we might end this trend. It means my grandsons may not grow up in a family of smokers. Premier, your government is making a tragic mistake. Will you please reconsider and spend more time investigating vaporizers before you rush to a decision that will prevent people like myself and my family and thousands of others from quitting tobacco once and for all with schedule three? Thank you. Where's, where's all the applause? Where's the, the, there's like two politicians Maybe applauding. Here's Thank the reboot. The member opposite for his question, but I really hope he's read Bill 45. I know he sat on the committee, and if he fully understood the bill, he would know that we're not banning electronic cigarettes. All we're doing is we're regulating electronic cigarettes to make sure that we balance the potential benefits, which we recognize, against the potential risks. But it continues to be perfectly legal for adults. And I'm sure the member opposite agrees that we shouldn't have 16-year-olds being able to buy uh, an e-cigarette or be able to smoke inside a classroom. And that is what we're doing. All we're doing is regulating, but there's Nothing in the regulation that stops a potential smoker from choosing to use an electronic cigarette if that's what they want to do. Here, here. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Thank you. Oh, yeah, everybody's going to applaud now, obviously. I have read the, I have read the bill. This is the best response. Hearings, all. Premier, there are only two groups that benefit from you passing Schedule 3. <laughs> they wouldn't even let the guy speak. What is going on? Order, please. Thank you. Please put your question. Premier, there's only two groups that benefit from passing Schedule 3 of Bill 45, and it's not children or the general public. Two of the most vocal opponents and the two groups set to gain the most from this bill are Big Tobacco and Big Pharma. By demonizing vaporizers, you are helping tobacco companies regain a market share that has been devastated by vaporizers. You're also allowing pharmaceutical co companies to continue to market cessation products over-the-counter that are proven less than effective than vaporizers. Premier, how can it be that myself and others who are addicted to cigarettes 
are fighting big tobacco, will you Question. and your government are actively protecting and defending big tobacco? Amen, my friend. This guy, you should, Vapors in Canada should make a statue of this guy. Support him, give him money for his election. I don't care what, go out there and vote for him, volunteer for him. Amen. Look how he was booed in there. And notice once again, not to rehash my earlier topic, the reference to kids. Randy Hillier, you get a shout out, my yeah! friend. Thank you, Russ. I don't know how much I have to pay Russ for all those shout outs. But in conclusion, in conclusion, if you caught Russ's episode last night on Clickbang Radio, he really had a good discussion on deeming regulations and mixing in shops and what is the FDA going to allow. I truly believe that most of the stuff that the FDA is going to require, whether good manufacturing practices a tobacco product, with evidence, statistics, data, I think that we can combat that. But one thing that we can't combat is the continued references by these public policy officials and these public health advocates, if you want to call them that, that are looking out for the protection of children. They're referencing the marketing to kids. I think that should be on the top of our priority list. I truly believe that that is the number one thing that we should be addressing now as an industry, as manufacturers, as vape shops, and obviously as vapors. Don't believe the hype. Buy e-liquid that tastes good, not just because it has a suggestive labeling on there. And it goes for not only the vapors, but the vape shops that carry it as well. In my opinion, flavors, marketing, and accessibility to kids is very, very detrimental to the vaping industry. I hope you enjoyed the uh, episode of Smoke Free Radio. I might not be here next Wednesday night. I might have an online conference at the same time as the show is scheduled. I will update you through social media. As always, thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time on Smoke Free Radio.